Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at voxoc.com slash live and at the Eldorado Performing Arts Center. Uh, good morning, Vox. How are we doing? Yeah, it's going to be a good day today. Everybody looks good. Everybody's ready to go. Uh, my name is Ronnie Roa. I am one of the pastors here at Box. Uh, I, I, I love what we get to do. I love being a part of this community and how we gather. And so um, uh, today's really special. We've got our county fair afterwards, uh, chili contest, which you get to take part in and tasting and having. Uh, we also have a pie uh, pie contest, a pie baking contest. How does that work? Is that right? Pie baking? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so again, you get to partake and try all the goodies. Uh, we've got bounce houses and stuff out there for the kids. It's going to be a great time for our community kind of just hang out um, and be together. And so I'm excited for that. I'm also excited because today's a very special day for me personally. So uh, my, my, my wife and I have been on this crazy journey for um, the last several years. And uh, one of the things we haven't been able to do is be at church together. Uh, three plus years, we haven't been able to be at church together. We've been sort of separated. She's going to another church working and I've been trying to do something. And we were trying to work towards a goal of doing that uh, together. And Vox sort of opened a door for us to unify our family together. And so uh, my wife has been coming to Vox the last couple of weeks, but today she's going to share her gift with you, which is to sing. And so she's going to be leading with, with Izzy. Yes. Thank you, Carrie. That's Carrie back there. Uh, <clears throat> so my wife is here and I'm excited for her to share her gift with you. Uh, I'm excited for you to meet her. And so uh, it, it's going to be fun. So I'm excited personally for today. Uh, a couple things you need to know about Vox. Uh, what you can do is uh, we'll talk. We've got some family business, kind of share some announcements this morning. Uh, uh, we're going to answer some questions because at uh, Vox, we really value the Q&A part of uh, a dialogue. Um, and so we'll, we'll answer some questions that were asked the last week. Carrie will come and she's going to share a message. Uh, and then we'll do some worship. We'll take communion together. Uh, and then at the end of service, which is different than normal, uh, the team is going to come out and we're going to share with you the vision that we have collectively for this community going forward uh, in the next year, um, starting in the fall. So uh, just stick around for a little bit. We're going to share sort of the vision and what's coming and some ex- exciting stuff, and we want you to hear about it um, because that's just who we are. So we just kind of be vulnerable and transparent and say, hey, this is where we're at, and so we want to invite you into that. Uh, let's see. So this is County Fair tonight or today, uh, afterwards, right after the service, so it should be really good. I'm excited. Other thing that we have is a workshop that Carrie's putting on. Um, that'll be June 5th at 7 p.m., um, and so if you haven't had a chance to go to one of Carrie's workshops, um, it's really uh, a way and an opportunity to help open the door to conversations about uh, health, spiritual health, mental health, these sort of things, and, and Carrie is great at facilitating these conversations, and she has lots of tools because of what she does, um, and so we want to invite the Vox community to come be a part of it. And as always, uh, it is free, correct? Yeah, it's free for all Vox people to come and be a part of it. It's on a Tuesday. Make sure you sign up because we need to know who's going to be there so we can be prepared. Uh, uh, Did I say something funny? Yes. What did I say? Okay. All right. Um, And so, yeah, just wave. Okay. All right. So enough of the business. Let's answer some questions. Let's see what we got. Okay. When the pastor says we should be like the boy in the clip, I think this is referring to last week. Uh, Tim shared uh, last week uh, about the, uh, the prodigal son story. So when the pastor says we should be like the boy in the clip we just watched, isn't it the opposite where God runs to us when we feel undeserving rather than us running to God as he waits? Good question. I thought you guys were going to ask easier questions. You know, we didn't expect hard theological questions, uh, but this is a good question. Um, 
how, I, this begs a lots of different questions. Um, who is the pursuer? Uh, does God pursue us? Do we pursue God? Who's the initiator? Who starts? There's lots of different uh, questions that this question actually brings up. And I think um, even some theological differences. Some of our, um, our reformed brothers and sisters might have a different perspective on who pursues and who initiates um, in the relationship with God and us. Now, for me personally, when I look at scripture, the overarching narrative is that God is a pursuer of his people, uh, that he initiates and he wants to engage in relationship with us, but being a loving God, he, he allows free will. He allows us the opportunity to say yes or to say no, that we can resist or that we can, um, we can submit. And so that's sort of the, the relationship dynamics that God puts in place. Now, the thing that she's referring to, uh, the question, I don't know if it's a she, but the, the question that was asked was, um, when the prodigal son uh, was coming back home, uh, when you read the story in Luke, it says that the father was watching and he runs to the son when he starts to approach. And so um, I think what that says is that God, uh, and remember who God is, who Jesus is talking to, his, his audience. And Luke's uh, gospel is primarily uh, geared towards those who would be considered outsiders, Right? So in his narrative, he talks a lot about women, he talks a lot about the marginalized, talks about the outcasts, people who didn't have rights. Um, and so when Jesus tells this, this parable, he's actually speaking to a group of religious Pharisees, people who, were, um, who thought they were in the right um, and were perpetuating some of this marginalization, some of this outsiderness, um, and this exclusivity. And so he's actually speaking to them. And I think when you look at what, what Luke is doing, He's actually explaining to the Pharisees how they've missed the outcast, the marginalized, those people on the fringes, and that God actually wants to bring those people to him. And in, even in Luke's narrative early on in, verse 19, in chapter 19, he says that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So who is the initiator? Who is the one who is going after? Who is the one that is pursuing? Well, again, if you look at scripture the way I see it, God is the initiator. God is the one who is coming after us, but he gives us free will. This is a co-opt, right? We get to be in this together, which is very, very important because in Genesis, we were to rule with God, correct? So, uh, the question is, how are, who, who is, uh, who's running? Well, I think God runs towards us, is with us always, and says, will you turn and come to me too? And so that's on our, our, our side. We have effort to put in, right? Okay, so next question. Okay, question two, another easy one. Uh, I'm pondering the idea of why God doesn't show up every time he is called upon to show off his glory. I'm not talking about answering every little prayer we have, but in times that would display who he is in great ways, healings, Old Testament battles, stopping genocides, things like that. What would be the downside? Thanks for the softball toss, guys. Um, gosh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm thankful that you asked that question. Um, divine hiddenness is actually a big theological point. Uh, there are many, many, many books that are written about it by, by much smarter men than myself, scholars who've studied this and have different answers, and, and people who are split on, on the conversation. So I'm not going to answer that in 30 seconds, but I'm going to try my best to kind of uh, explain a little bit. And I think the way that um, 
I want to kind of approach is this. Uh, the idea that God would present himself, I think we get this misunderstanding of the Old Testament that God has presented himself to everybody. But when you look at the Old Testament, it's only a handful of people that God actually reveals himself to. It isn't like he's just showing up all the time. And in fact, uh, the, the literary tools that the, the writers of the Bible use um, talk about God in, in terms of fire. So I'll, I'll kind of start in the very beginning. So when Moses first encounters God, God is in fire, right? A burning bush. And then, uh, as you continue to go throughout Scripture in the Old Testament, you see God descending in fire, right? Even when he's talking to Elijah, there's fire, so this is representation of God. This is a literary tool. Then, get this, in the New Testament, after Jesus goes to the cross, dies, and he's buried and rises again, in the New Testament, the disciples are all gathered together on the day of Pentecost, and what would come and descend upon the people? Tongues of fire, right? And so fire was always the description of where God was. And it was usually in the temple. That's where he was residing. And so in the New Testament, what the writers were saying is that there's a new place where God resides. Are you ready for it? It's in you. It's in his people. So when we say, where is God? How has he not revealed himself? God has revealed himself through his people, through the church. He inhabits his people. And so uh, some questions about uh, genocide, stopping things like that. Uh, the question goes, where are God's people in this? How do we become activists to stand for those who are marginalized, those who need to be protected? Where awareness needs to be made, that is where his people should come to the rescue and reveal the goodness of who God is, right? So God does show up in his people. That's one way that he reveals himself to us is that, um, hey, you're here. So uh, why doesn't God stop uh, hungry children? Well, where is the church? Where are his people? Are we the type of generous people who give our money so that we can help other people? Are we uh, so small-minded that we forget that we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world, to reveal his glory to those around us? You see, that's, that's, one, that's one way that we can look at that question and say God has revealed himself to very many people through us, which is a beautiful thing that we get to do that with him. So again, I, this isn't a question I can answer in 30 seconds, probably not even one I can answer in a year-long sermon, but... Uh, Guess what? Carrie's going to share a little bit about this in her message. Um, and so she's going to talk a little bit more in depth, maybe from a different perspective and a different angle. And so um, it's a good question. It's a great question. So thank you for asking it. Um, if you have more questions, you can obviously talk to me afterwards. Well, I think we have one more. Okay, <clears throat> another easy one. Have you ever wondered if the reason why divorce rates are so high, cheating rampant, and porn usage so high is because maybe waiting until marriage for sex and marriage with just one partner isn't really normal? Ooh, good question. I mean, taking the story of Adam and Eve and stating this is how all relationships are supposed to be seems like an impossible goal. Uh, maybe, they were, maybe they were just one way of doing things and the author took the liberty of saying this was how it was supposed to be. Plus, when Adam met Eve, he didn't really get to know her. He saw her and basically had sex with her right away. Okay. Uh, if we're really to follow their model, then maybe we should have sex first and then call it marriage. Who knows? <laughs> You just answered your question. Who knows? Uh, it just seems like an impossible ideal to live by, and I really don't have the strength to do things that way, nor do I even see it really attainable. Um, that's very, very transparent and vulnerable, and so thank you for asking that, and thank you for even admitting and saying that that is a very difficult thing to hold on to. I just want to take a moment just to say that and affirm that. Plus, most long-term marriages I see have two people who are too uh, familiar and comfortable with each other that the passion and desire has long died off. 
Are we just trying to sell ourselves on something that doesn't really work or satisfy? Uh, great, 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 great question. Um, and I just want to just take a second to affirm our community uh, that we are committed to having honest dialogue and being uh, vulnerable. And we're not going to shy away from conversations like that. And that is a very valid conversation because when you look at divorce rates among Christians, they're no different than non-Christians, right? Um, So it does ask some really prominent questions about what is our sexual ethic? What is the church's sexual ethic? What is this community's sexual ethic? And so uh, I want to answer those questions, but um, I want my wife and I are going to answer that on a Facebook Live because I want to give it more attention because I think it deserves more attention. So I want to invite you to come and, and probably in the next week or two, we're going to sit down and just have some conversations around that. So you can join us on Facebook Live. If you miss it, I think it'll be on there. You can watch the video later. But it's a great question, one that I think needs to be addressed, and one I think that will be a continual conversation about what it looks like uh, to have a sexual ethic that um, fits in line with who Jesus is and what he calls us to. So uh, great questions. Please keep questions coming. Uh, This is a community that wants to honor that, that believes there's value in having questions and just having a dialogue. Um, And so, yeah, thank you again. So Without further ado, I'm going to bring out Carrie, and uh, she's going to share her message, which uh, she got a curveball thrown at her this morning, because, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So take it away. Have fun. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Ronnie, for answering those questions, and I'm so glad you guys are writing, and we we do love sitting in these questions, because sometimes they motivate us to um, think about things that maybe we wouldn't normally think about. We also love hearing, because we hear what you're processing through, and that helps us determine, God, what are you doing in our community and how can we meet those needs as best as we can? So my name's Carrie. I'm one of the teaching pastors here uh, and I just want to welcome you this morning. If you're new here, hi. We're so glad you're here. Um, so a little bit about this morning. Um, I don't know. I, most of you don't preach, I'm assuming. If you do, you can let us know because we could always do the help up here. Um, but I am a traveling speaker. I travel, I get to travel all over the world actually. And, um, and share about what God is doing and and doing in my life. It's super humbling. It's weird. I don't. I can't believe I get to do it. Um, I can't believe that He chose me to do it. Um, when He said, "I use the least of these to change the world," I'm like, "Well, living proof." Uh, so, in that being said, I put together messages all the time. Um, and I'm going to, in, uh, to Thailand in a couple weeks. I've been to India. I've been to Europe. I've, I've traveled all over and I put together messages all the time. And so I have a structure in how I do that. I like to be prepared. Um, it's something that I really value my, you know, it's, it's very important to me, um, to make sure that whatever I'm speaking, whatever I'm saying, that I am taking it from the word of God, that it is everything that I say is not out of context. I study it. I'm committed to studying that. If I don't have the answer, I study it even more. I call mentors of mine. Well, and this morning, this has only happened a couple times in my life. I had a great message planned for you guys. Um, yesterday felt a stirring in my heart that that's not the message that God was wanting to do. Uh, one of it was motivated, a little bit of it was motivated by one of those questions. And yesterday I was at a baby shower and I'm like, I don't really have time for this, Jesus. I'm at a baby shower. Um, So I kind of pushed it down and went to bed last night, was looking at some scriptures and kind of like, all right, I'll give you 10 minutes. If you're going to reveal your glory, do it now. And so I'm looking at scriptures and I got nothing. You know what I'm saying? But I just was, I was just feeling it. So I went to bed, went to sleep 
had some dreams about being very unprepared <laughs> in my dreams that I couldn't find my notes. It was like all this stuff, right? 6.30 in the morning, if you know me, this is Jesus because I don't get up at 6.30 in the morning unless there's a fire or my kids are barfing. And even then I'm like, Mario, you're on, you know? <laughs> 6.30 in the morning I pop up and it was this overwhelming feeling of, you need to present, you need to share what I'm asking you to share. Will you do it? I got up. I have not showered. So, hi. I'm glad you're at a distance. Uh, I'm wearing a hat for that very reason. I put on very little makeup today, but I did put on the fuchsia lipstick. Thank you. Um, I mean, we want to be Jesus, but <laughs> don't be too crazy. Uh, and I was sitting in my car in the parking lots of Starbucks because I needed some caffeine. I was like, God, I know what you want me to say. One, I'm kind of scared to say it. Two, how do I encompass what you're wanting me to say in 30 minutes? <laughs> how do I relay what you want and what your heart wants to say in 30 minutes? You have to do right by me. I want to speak your word. I want to honor the people that are sitting here. I want to honor my position. And so I'm going to ask this morning that you would engage with me in um, a conversation. Now, I don't want you talking back. You can talk to me later. But unless you want to give an amen, I'm always down for that. Um, but be open this morning to seeing God maybe outside of our box, seeing God a little bigger than maybe we have seen him. You know, the question was, does God still do miracles? Why isn't he moving? And I know he said, and or she said in her question, you know, I'm not asking for every little prayer, but, but why not do the big things that you used to do? And this got me thinking, is God big? Is he still doing really big things? I went on a, a trip with my son this past week. If you follow my stories, you know it was crazy. Uh, I went with fourth graders, 23 of them and 23 of their parents. Um, for three days, uh, we went to Sacramento and we went to San Francisco. We were up at 3 a.m. to catch our flight. I was with these people that I, they were very kind. You know, you choose who you travel with. I didn't choose any of these people. <laughs> You know, I mean, it was like, I did not choose you. You chose me. I'm here, but I'm here committed to my son. But we're going on this trip and I'm seeing all these amazing things, but something caught my attention. We go into this cave. It's not a horizontal cave where you walk in. It's a vertical cave. I learned about that, where there's stalactites and stalagmites. And I'm learning all of these things. And what happened was, is during the gold rush time, uh, somebody stumbled across this cave. There was a legend that there was a cave, and at the bottom of the cave was a masses of mounts of gold. And everyone's looking for gold at this time. And this one guy comes, I can't remember his name, but he comes across this cave that kind of fits the description of what the legend is. And he sees this crack. It's actually a chasm cave. <laughs> and um, I'm very educated, by the way, after this trip. Very tired, too. And irritated with fourth graders. But anyway, so we go to this chasm cave. And he comes upon it. He, he gets some dynamite. He doesn't know. He wants to get inside the cave. He gets a couple of people, idiots, because they're like, 
okay, we'll get some gold at the bottom. Like there's just mounds of gold laying at the bottom of this cave, you know? So they blow it open and they get into what they call the first room. Now, obviously in the fr- there's, no, there's no gold. In fact, the drop is so low, they're throwing rocks, they can't even, it takes forever to hear the bottom of the rock. They don't even have enough rope to get to the bottom. They kind of stop into the front. There's some cool stalactites and stalagmites. And what they realize is we can start selling some tickets to have people come see in here. So maybe we didn't find gold, but we're going to make some gold. And I was like, you know what? Props. I'm into that. (laughs) They just get to the first room, but little did they know that if they would have kept going, they wouldn't have found gold, but they would have found this certain type of stalactite stalagmite, which is actually like a hexliotite. And there's only 5% of them found. That's going to be wrong, by the way, that word that I just said. It's like a hexless something anyway. There's only 5% of these kind of formations in all the world. When we went down there and saw this, she turns on this light because, you know, it's completely dark down there. And it's just, I wish I would have had a picture for you. My pictures didn't turn out good. And I wrote this at 6.30 in the morning. So you're just bear with me. There's all these like clusters of, of, of white formations. They're crystals. And the way they form is one drop at a time. Rather than going down into a hard, thick formation like this, they're fragile, each little dot creating these crystal formations coming out of the rock. I'm like, wow, it's so amazing. I was like, I, oh, I can't imagine that these people, like they just, if they would have just dig a little farther, they would have seen how glorious this was. They could have even made more money because this is amazing. And the guide who doesn't, I don't know if she knows God or not, but said the most profound thing to me. She said, oh, it's because they just were seeing with their brain and not their eyes. And I was like, hold up. <laughs> And you know, me out loud, I'm like, you know, that's going to preach. Jesus is big. And he is, and she's like, okay, who are you? You're crazy. I'm looking to people like, did you hear what she said? That's amazing. Sometimes I think we see, and I think oftentimes we see God and the world through our brain and not our eyes. What does that mean? It means that we have this grid in which we see God, and it's through our expectations in our brain. It's through our trauma or our experience that we see God. Dallas Willard says this incredible um, quote that I just, I just was like, yes, he says, the fact that we do not hear does not mean that God is not speaking to us. We know that messages from radio and television programs are passing through our bodies and brains at all hours of the day, messages that an appropriately tuned receiver could pluck from the very air we breathe. We are not attuned to God's voice. We have not been taught how to hear it sounding out in nature. We have not been taught how to hear it For as we read in Psalms 19, the heavens announce the glory of God. You know, I went to India not too long ago, and I was raised in America. And I was raised pretty evangelical, fundamental Christian. You know, there's no gifts, like it's just the word of God, and that's it. And I was good with that, you know. But as I started to grow in my faith, as I started to watch how God was moving in my life, my prayers didn't turn from, God, show me your glory, fix me, do what I want, go to my every whim. It started to be, God, I want to see the way you see. I want, I want to see the world the way you see it. He said, if I give you this gift, Carrie, it's going to break your heart. But you'll be able to see with my eyes, you really want this, I really want this. 
And as he sent me to India, and I walked around in some of the most depraved places I've ever seen. People that had nothing. I mean, we think we're poor, we're not poor. And this isn't a condemnation on you, we're blessed to be here. We're thankful and should be thankful to be here. I don't wanna live in India, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't wanna live there. I go there and I see how much oppression there is. It's all, it's so archaic, the spiritual realm there. I mean, literally, I, I see people that are possessed by something that is not good, rolling around on the ground, and then I see a friend of mine who prays in the name of Jesus, and this person is delivered. In a moment, they're in their right mind. I go into a village where houses are made of dung, and they come out and everything is the same color, just brown. And I think this is the world they live in. This feels hopeless and drab. Where are you, God? Kids that are maimed because they don't have money to have medical care. Why aren't you healing them, God? People that are out of their mind. Where are you, God? And out walks a woman in all of her bright color Punjabi suit. And she comes out and she says... Do you want some chai tea? Let me tell you about what God is doing. And she starts telling me about how her son, who was dead, is now alive because the missionary came and prayed for her son. And I can't speak because I'm like, I don't see Jesus like this. I don't see God move like this. You see, God works where there is desperation. God works where you have nothing less. You want to see God move? Ask him to open your eyes. But it's really hard to see big God here because we have big distractions here. Very big. And then this is, that's not, you're bad for being here. It's just our eyes are not opened. We see with our brains. We see with the world around us. And we go, where are you, God? But somehow we want God to fit into this box Somehow we want God to, to bend to our every whim. We want him to answer every prayer that we have. We want him to stop this and do this and act like this. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to serve a God that that's small. I don't want to serve a God that obeys everything I say. I don't know what's going on. I'm not God. I don't want to, to serve a God that when, that when I ask him to move, he moves. I want to serve a God that I know is good, but that I don't fully understand. Because in my finite mind, I surely cannot understand the infinite mind of God. You see, God is doing miracles every day, every moment. He is healing, he is moving. Most of them, you wouldn't even know. Most of them, we deny. We look in Romans, I'm gonna give you a lot of scripture today, and none of it will be on your board or on the screen. You wanna write it down, feel free, you can ask me later. Romans 1, 19 through 20 says, for the truth about God is known to you instinctively. God has put this knowledge in your heart 
From the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky and all that God has made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his entire, his eternal power and his divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever to not knowing God. Get up every morning. Do you realize we know there's a solar system that keeps going and stars and moons that raise and go and planets that go around the sun. If we were a little closer, you know the science, we'd burn up a little farther, we'd freeze. And yet every day the world just keeps going and we go, come on, God, we want to see miracles. And he goes, I give it to you every day, every day that you wake up and there is breath in your lungs. It is a miracle. You see, I know your heart and I know your will and yet I choose to let you live. This is the God we serve. Who wants a tiny God that I can control and make bend to my every whim? Sure, it sounds good in theory. You really want a God like that? I don't want a God like that. I want a God that's bigger than my thoughts, that's bigger than my hurts, that's bigger than my expectations. When I want to say, stop it all, God, he says, oh, I will because there will come a day where I will come in all my glory and every genocide will stop and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But until that day comes, I need you. You see, I showed up in India thinking I was going to be the miracle. And let me tell you, they are the miracle. They, their life showed me what real joy, what real peace They're under oppression. If they find out that they're believers in Christ, their life could be taken. They have been ostracized by families. I go, how can you do this? Don't, this is living for you. This is like, I go, oh, this world is not my home. I have hope in Jesus. I'm, I'm going to see him one day. I look over as she has nothing. A borrowed couch or from the slums and a son who can't walk and, and yet she sits there and offers me chai tea. Somehow I think as blessed as we are here in America, we see so much with our brains and so little with our eyes. You see, God is all powerful and all knowing. He says in Daniel 2, 21, for God determines the course of the world events. He removes kings and set others on the throne. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. You see, God is sovereign. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. Don't you think sometimes we kind of elevate ourselves to a God status? Don't you think sometimes, brothers and sisters, because I know I do it, where I think I know what's best, yet God says he has the power to do as he pleases among the angels of heaven and with those who live on earth. No one can stop him or challenge him saying, what do you mean by doing these things, God? What are you doing? And he says, I am good and I love you, but don't forget that I am God. I think we want God to be really accessible, and he is. I think we want God to be all-powerful, and he is. But I think sometimes, selfishly, I want God to fit in the box I have for him. 
I want him to do what I want him to do. I want him to fix what I want him to fix. And I become very focused and very narrow-minded and very today-focused that this is the end of the story. And it's not. I love that uh, there's a quote. There's a movie, actually. The Chronicles of Narnia. I know many of you have have seen it, and I love that story. I, I, I love how C.S. Lewis paints the picture of God being this roaring lion. Lucy, the girl in the story, is about to meet As- Aslan, and upon realizing that Aslan is a lion, she looks to Mr. Beaver and said, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Mr. Beaver responds, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. He's a lion, but he is good. And he is the king, I tell you. I don't want my God to be small. I don't want my God to be tiny. I don't want my God to bend to every whim. Yes, I want things to stop. Yes, I want hurt to end. Yes, I want killing to cease. But you and I both know, if we're sitting here and being honest, this world was never intended to go well. There is, and we don't like this word, we don't like to talk about this stuff, but there is an enemy that is roaring, my friends. There is an enemy that is hell-bent on taking you out and taking this world out, and he is roaring and raging, and we like beautiful Jesus. We like kumbaya Jesus. We like the God that's fluffy and light and happy. I don't want that kind of God. I want a God who loves me, who is savage for those he loves. I want a God when you have to stand before him, you will bow in trembling because he's a king, because he's not safe, but he's good. Help us, help me, brothers and sisters, to link arms together and allow the God of the universe who did the most incredible miracle of all and sent his son into the most lowly of places to come here on earth so that we could have communion with him. But it wasn't just so that we could know God, no. It was so that we could share God. It's so that we could show the world the hands and feet of a God who loves. You're no match for this world. You're no match for the enemies that are at hand. You can't go into a country and save them. But let me tell you what you can do. You can go and sit with a woman who lives in a dung house, who has a son who's crippled and another one who was raised from the dead, And you can start to listen how God's love and the hope of who God is, is transforming their lives. We don't understand this kind of power. Because us in America, we have a lot of big things. We're distracted by a lot of big things, but God has entrusted us He's entrusted us to share his miracle every day. I am a living, breathing miracle. Statistically, I should not be here. Statistically, most of you shouldn't be either. 
And yet God found favor upon you as he knows our hearts and yet still lets us live. In Ephesians 4, it says this. 4.11, he is the one who gave these gifts to the church. There's apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the good work of building up the church, the body of Christ, until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature and full grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. Then we will no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or because someone has cleverly lied to us and made this sound like the truth. Instead, we will hold to the truth of love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. You see, we want miracles, but I'm gonna be honest with you, God did a lot of miracles for the Israelites. And what did they do? They just kept forgetting. They kept forgetting what God does. You see, miracles only go so far. They're for children. They're childlike. They're to catch your attention. But when you start growing in the maturity in your faith, the understanding that you don't understand, that you serve a God that is so big and so righteous and so powerful that everything bends to his will, and you start to grow in his strength, you start to become deep in your knowledge and in your faith. Because those who believe without seeing are the ones who are blessed. This is what it means to serve God. This is what it means to have an all-powerful, all-knowing God. You see, God is absolute truth. In John 8, 31, 32, you are my disciples, Vox Church. If you keep obeying my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It is not the miracles that will move you. It is not the righteous acts of a good, noble person. It is the truth of who God is that will not only set you free, but will start to ignite this world again for a greater purpose. And that is within your hands. You want a God that you can have bend to your every whim? You will be sorely disappointed. I don't want a king that I can walk up to and say, King, do it this way. No, when I walk up to a king, I want to take a knee and bow my head because I can't even look at the eyes of who he is, not because of my shame, but because of the fact that he even lets me in his presence. And he says, stand up, child. I've appointed you. I've appointed you to go into all the world and be my miracle. Do great and mighty things. You wanna see mountains move? Speak, share. I've seen mountains move. And it might not be a physical Mount Shasta moving, but people that should be dead are alive. People that were lost are found. 
girls that were caught in sex trafficking are saved one at a time by the mighty hand of God through you. Romans 8, or I'm sorry, uh, Psalms 8 says this. O Lord, our Lord, the majesty of your name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and nursing infants to praise you. They silence your enemies who seek revenge. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have set in place, what are mortals that you should think of us, mere humans that you should care for us? For you made us only a little lower than God, only a little lower than God, and you crowned us with glory and honor. You put us in charge of everything you made, giving us authority over all things, the sheep and the cattles and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims in the ocean currents. O Lord, our Lord, the majesty of your name fills the earth. May we never lose our wonder. May we never lose our wonder. Bright-eyed, mystified, May we be just like a child standing before the king. Vox, I love you. I really do. I love this church. I love that I don't feel super uh, worried about sharing a message that I wrote at 6.30. I love that we have questions that we want to wrestle through. I love you. I love God more than I love you, but I love you. And God needs you. God needs you to not get hung up on cynicism. He needs you to not get hung up on trying to figure it all out. He needs you to start asking the questions, not what can you do for me, God, but what can I do for you? How can I enter into your courts with thanksgiving and into your presence with praise? I may not understand it all, God. You never will until the moment you see God, and even then, I still hope it's a little bit of a mystery. But as you sit here today, Vox, what are we doing? What are we doing? There is a world out there that needs the very miracle that you are. You don't gotta have all the answers. But I'm asking you to try and ask God, can I see you not so much with my brain, through my trauma, or through the country in which I live in, but open my eyes to the spiritual world around me. Let me see what you're doing and let me be a part of it. You will see undeniably God move. I could go on for hours, and I'm not even kidding, of what I've seen God do in my life and the lives around me. And it comes with a cost. It comes with surrender. It comes with having to let go of things that you'd rather not let go of. It comes with not having all the answers. It comes with not knowing exactly how to figure it out. It comes with being burdened and broken down by the brokenness of this world. I stand with you in that. 
It comes with all of that. But here's the end result in John 16, Although you encounter various troubles, although you may sit in this trouble, take heart, I have overcome the world. God is coming. He is going to come and there will be a reckoning for the evil that has plagued our world. There will be a day and I know this is a, where are we going with this, Carrie? Are we hellfire and brimstone now? No, this is the truth. This is the truth of what will happen and I don't know what you come here with. I don't even care. I just want you to come knowing God loves you and he sees you and he's good, but tremble in the presence of the king because there will come a day. And he will look down and as he comes, he will gather us with him and there will be a reckoning for the genocide that has happened. There will be a reckoning for the loss of children. There will be a reckoning for the hurts and the slain of this world. There will be a reckoning, but until that day comes, till every last breath is within me, I will shout from the mountaintops that my God is good and he saves and he reigns. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. So I don't know what the other churches are doing. I don't know how they're doing it. But here today, today, we bow our knees in the presence of God. I will be used. Amen. Join with me. Join with me in this cause. Join with me in this fight. I got nothing, Carrie. I barely have anything. You don't need to bring much. You just bring a surrendered heart before the Lord, and he does miracles. He's doing one right now because we're hearing his presence. We're feeling his spirit. That's a miracle. The heavens would open, and all the churches in the world, he's here right now in our midst. So as we come to the table, we come to hear from God. We come to give reverence to him. Can we just have a moment where we're not coming and asking God to fix this or fix that? Let's just have a moment where we enter into his courts with praise and into his presence with thanksgiving. My God is a lion. He is powerful. He roars. There will be an account, and he is the final judge and jury, but he is good, and he loves you, and he died for you, and he rose again to have communion with you. That's incredible. As we come to the table, let's remember, not as nostalgia, But let's take the power of what he did, bring it into today, and sit in the comfort of knowing that we don't know, but we know God. Let's pray. Dear God, we just, uh, how can I encompass all your goodness? How could I possibly speak all that you want? In my humble attempt, in my humble means to show your glory, God, to show your heart, 
I am your humble servant, God. I pray that your spirit would go far beyond what my words could ever do. Ignite in us, God, a newness, a freshness, an excitement, and maybe even a little trembling fear and in awe of how big and mysterious and majestic you are. Let it transform our hearts. Let it heal the fragile places of us. Help us be the miracle that this world so desperately needs. As you told Paul, you don't need to have all the answers. Just tell your story, the story of what I've done. So I tell your story today, God. I pray it does an ounce of justice. Let our church, God, Vox Church, as we enter the table, to come before the presence of you, God Almighty, may we remember what you did on that cross for us and made insight in us a desire to go into the world and start seeing with your eyes. We love you so much. And we bring honor to you in this place. You are the king. And we bow before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. No black chairs. No black chairs. Yep. We're, we're going to start bringing out cozy lounge chairs when we got like, good news to talk about. Is what we decided. Comfy chairs. Morning. Um, so what we wanted to do, um, it's summer's pretty much here. So um, we definitely wanted to take some time to just share with you guys um, where we're going, what we're going to be doing. Uh, we've got a, our work cut out for us uh, through the summer uh, with a number of things that we want to be working on. But um, come fall... Um, this year, there's just there's a lot of great things that um, we we have the opportunity to respond to from from your guys' needs that you've expressed. Um, so um, we're gonna actually try to get through this a little bit uh, quickly, just because we're, we're a little shorter on time than usual. But so we can get out there and eat some chili and some <laughs> burgers and dogs and all that good stuff. So um, here we are. There we go. So um, yep, we got uh, three kind of major areas that we are gonna quickly kind of just comment through. Uh, I'm gonna pass it off to David from here. He's gonna pick up on. Um, his first piece of content. So here we go. Hey, there it is. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. Um, we wanted just to kind of bring this to you guys so that you know what's coming up. Uh, we've always talked about participating here at Vox, and we want you guys to know that we would love for you guys to um, take ownership of Vox, participate. One of the ways you can do that is financially. There's boxes as you leave the room here. We don't talk a lot about it, um, but those are here. It's a way for you to worship. It's a way for you to give. It's a way for you to support uh, Vox um, and for you to continue to see this move forward. Um, thank you for uh, what you've already contributed. Um, it's a blessing to see God provide every single week, and we just want to say thank you for allowing us to keep doing this. Um, you guys make this happen. Uh, you guys keep Vox alive, and we know it because you guys are still here. <laughs> so thank you for that. And that's one way. So at, at, at the end of service, you guys can drop off every week. That's where they'll be. And we really want to just say thank you once again. Another way that we uh, can see you participate is on our teams. Uh, we have setup team. We have a kids team. We have a teardown team. We have a worship team. We have different ways that you can participate here at Vox. Uh, right now, we do need help with setup. Uh, children's is always going to be something that we are going to continually need help with. But 
um, we want to see those beefed up so that we can uh, carry the load, share the load, and make Vox, ha make Vox happen every week. But uh, we do have uh, new to Vox dinners as well. Those will be coming up soon, but that's where you can really get to know more about Vox. But there's certain areas where you can participate and sign up um, and uh, help Vox continue every week. Um, so join. If you guys want, there's a website here. It's uh, voxoc.com slash participate, and that'll give us information about you, and then we can follow up with you and let you know where and, 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 and follow up with you and answer any questions that you may have. Um, the next slide here, uh, events, um, participation in events too. Is that... Summer picnics. And summer picnics. We do have summer picnics coming up. Sorry, my, I'm going through all kinds of stuff in my mind. Um, but uh, we do have summer picnics coming up, and we're going to be doing that every month. We're just going to hang out afterwards. This is going to kind of like the kickoff one today, but we're going to be hanging out afterwards once a month. You'll bring your chairs. We'll let you know when those are. Bring your chairs, your lunch, uh, let the kids play out there, and we'll be hanging as a community just getting to know each other. Um, so that's coming up in the summer. And then... Um, if you want to learn more about us, voxoc.com, right, Andy? Is that it? Is that the spot? Yeah, for participation. Okay. So the next one, this is where I get really excited about um, Vox. Uh, when we started, it was very much, hey, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to make it work. Um, we're going to keep the kids alive. That's kind of what we said a lot, you know. <laughs> we've succeeded. You know, we're going to keep so them far. safe. We're going to keep them alive. But I think what's happened is kind of as we've evolved, we've realized that um, kids do matter. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> but they do. No, we really want to put a lot of emphasis on our, our families and our kids, only because one of our values is the generations. And we want the next generation to fall in love with the beautiful Jesus. So this isn't going to be childcare anymore. It's actually going to become a place where kids come to church going to be a place where they come and learn about Jesus. It's going to be a place where they come and they understand, dang, I'm getting emotional, you guys, um, this transforming love of Christ. So um, uh, we are going to be asking you to get involved in this. We're going to be asking you to own this and to understand that our generations need um, to know Jesus. And if you're in the older generation, I say older, older than me, we need you. We need you to share this beautiful Jesus with the generations below us. I know my kids need people in the older generations to teach them about Jesus. Um, so that's going to be the beauty of all of this. Um, when we started Vox, we asked as parents that you would sign up once a month to serve. We kind of never enforced that because it was kind of, uh, we were starting out. But I really want to see you as a parent involved. I really want to see you um, bringing this Jesus to our children because we need people like you. Um, once a month is what we're asking that you do. And um, that's kind of what we're, we're leaning towards because we really want to pass on these values to our children, these Vox values to our children, A, um, that they can talk about anything. It's a safe place for them. We have kids that come from so many different backgrounds. We want this place to be safe for them. We want them to know that they, they're loved and that Jesus loves them too. We want every generation to be part of Vox. We want, them, you got, we want every generation serving. And, and three, we want to create a place where we love and serve the world and not stand in judgment of it. And I want my girls to know that. I want your children to know that. So that's what passions me. <laughs> Numbers passion me, charts passion me, but also passing on a, a faith to our children 
passions me. So you will see that come in. So this summer, um, we're going to have a conversation. There's going to be a website. If you're interested as a parent to come alongside and have a conversation with me on what this might look like, please join us. There's going to be a website as it comes up in a little bit. Um, you can co- go to that. And another thing that we actually realize is that we have junior hires. And we're going to be working on this summer what it's going to look like to minister to involve junior high here at Vox. And we do have a lot of junior hires actually serving right now, which is beautiful. We have them in serving in toddlers in, in the nursery, and it's a really beautiful thing to see. Um, but personally, I have a junior hire coming up. Um, it's a little scary. <laughs> I went to an orientation just the other day, and I was like, oh, Lord, please help us. Um, <laughs> But uh, we want to see them integrated into the church. So we're going to start off with um, junior high, more of a leadership kind of um, role. We want to see them serving, but we're also going to have table fellowships for junior hires where they get to hang out with each other and get to know each other. Um, So that will continue to evolve as we move forward. But if you're a junior hire and a parent of a junior hire, we're going to have a a night where we get together to get to know each other. And then in, in the fall, we'll launch these table fellowships for our junior hires and hoping that on Sunday they serve and they see um, what it's like to serve the larger body. So we're going to be moving in that. So that's that's coming up. So boxoc.com slash junior high and then uh, I will let you know to RSV and then I will let you know the location and the exact time when that's going to happen. How'd I do, Andy? Is that okay? Uh, else yeah. I miss? Keep going. Be there. Elementary... That's done. Talked about that. Yep, meeting there. You can sign up. If um, you're going to be hosting another meeting uh, this summer yes. for talking with families yes. about what the next vision for uh, elementary families look like. So you can yep. sign up for that on the website there too. Yep. Cool. And I okay. think, all right, this is Ronnie. Oh, all right. Here we go. Hey. Okay. So um, for Vox, uh, one of the reasons that I came on and staff and they brought me on was to help kind of guide the church uh, in its spiritual formation. And so this is something that's I'm excited about, something that I get really excited about. I think to start the conversation off, um, Vox has always been committed to deconstruction. Uh, this idea that um, our journey in faith, the conversations around that, and, and if you've ever walked through a deconstruction, it can be a scary thing. Um, just deconstructing your faith and asking some hard questions. Um, but what we've learned is that deconstruction is actually quite easy. Uh, but nobody can live in deconstruction. The hard work of deconstruction is actually reconstruction. Um, and so how do we reconstruct our faith? How do we reconstruct the community uh, that we all live, breathe, and work in? And so um, that's kind of what we're, we're, we're looking at as we move forward uh, as a community. So the first thing is the what. So we're going to call it safe to reclaim. Uh, how do we reclaim our heritage? How do we reclaim um, what was initially started by a marginalized sect of Messianic Jews? What does that look like? What are these practices that these people did? Because for some reason, this small group of people turned into one of the biggest religions that we know of today, right? And so what has pushed them and propelled them over the thousands and thousands of years? And so here's some things, the what... Um, I don't want to go through everything, but I do want to point out a couple things. Um, Adele Calhoun, is, who's a guru in spiritual formation, I love what she says. From its beginning, the church linked the desire for more of God to the intentional practices, relationships, and experiences that gave people space in their lives to keep company with Jesus. 
I think for many of us, depending on what religion or what denomination or where you came up from, the idea of spiritual discipline or practices sounds really terrible. And it's like, I don't want to do that. And it can be abused and it was abused and lots of churches have abused it in, in, in terrible ways. I've been a part of that. Uh, but what really what she says is that really spiritual practices are about keeping company with Jesus and who doesn't want to keep company with Jesus, right? How do we do that better? How do we walk daily? What sort of space in our lives do we need to create in order for us to do that better? And I really, that is the heart of a spiritual practice. And so how do we move Vox in a way uh, that does that? Um, how do we create space intentionally within our services to be able to do that? So that, that is some of the stuff that we're going to be looking at. And continuing on with that, um, Vox already has spiritual practices. Some of you already are doing them and don't even realize it. Um, the Eucharist is one of them. Hospitality, table fellowships. How many of you knew that hospitality was a spiritual practice, right? Some of you who've had people over to your house um, and created dinners, that's a spiritual practice. You're engaging in a practice, keeping company with Jesus. Um, worship, liturgical confessions and readings that we've done. So we're just gonna continue to create space and more of that. And it's gonna make the, the, the gathering look a little different at times, but that's, that's the point, is that communally, we're meant to do that. So. Next slide, <clears throat> the why. So I think that Vox has at its foundation a sensitivity uh, to spiritual abuses and some religious misgivings. And so how do we reclaim those things? Because not all of them are bad. There are lots of good things inside of those spiritual practices and we want to reclaim those. Um, and so there's also a desire to, to continue to engage with God. And, and, and when we see the spiritual practices, I think for me being in church, it was always a way to conjure uh, a relationship with God. I need to do my quiet time. I need to read my Bible so that God will be happy with me. Um, is, if that's the way that you've seen it, we want to reclaim that. We want to make that right because that's not the goal and the heart of spiritual practices. <clears throat> There's another one there. Uh, and I love this. So this is Dallas Willard, who, uh, another amazing uh, theologian and philosopher, says this, the aim and the substance of the spiritual life is not, get this, fasting, prayer, hymn singing, frugal living, which so many of us think it is. Rather, it's the effective and full enjoyment of active love of God and humankind in all the daily rounds of normal existence that we are placed. In other words, how do we just find God every single day, every place we're at? How do we usher in the kingdom of God with us wherever we're at? Yeah. Um, if we just simply came to church and said that, oh, we're doing spiritual practices, we come here, we're actually missing what, what this is all about. This is about becoming Jesus in every single normal humdrum daily thing of our life. Um, and, and so how do we, how do, we do that? Uh, I think a lot of churches get so caught up in relevance and how do we put on good programs and those are all important things, but, but there are things about our, our, our heritage, about what we believe that have propelled the church for thousands of years and how do we reclaim those things for our life? Um, and then how? <clears throat> So we're gonna, uh, we're gonna continue to implement this in different ways. We wanna have a clear vision around it. Um, it can't simply just be from teaching, that there's gotta be some different things. I wanna be able to create classes uh, where, where we can teach. What does it look like to fast? Because when we, in churches, sometimes we do a disservice. We go, we're gonna do a, a church-wide fast. Okay, how does that affect someone who's dealing with anorexia or bulimia? Has anyone ever given thought to when you say that, what does that actually mean? Because fasting doesn't just mean food. There's a, it's, it's a complex thing, right? And so we can't just say those things without actually having follow-up conversations. So we're gonna, I wanna create classes and I wanna create workshops where we gather together and we work through those things. What does it look like to have a prayer life? Like, what does that mean? What does it look like to read our Bible? What does it look like to actually uh, engage the text and the scriptures? And so that's sort of the, the idea of how we can um, structurally gird uh, what we're doing, what we're, we're we're going after. So I think that was one more. 
When? So fall. I think the fall is the perfect time for us to do that. Um, I think as a community, uh, we'll be kind of getting new rhythms as fall kind of come around. Everyone's going to be coming back. Um, and so we'll just kind of gather through that. I, I'm thinking about going through a series of, of Acts, which is, you know, sort of the story of how the church, early church began. And so what better way to reclaim our heritage than to look at where it all began and where it all started. And so I think we'll, we'll, we'll launch through there. And then um, it'll, it'll give opportunities for you to engage in new ways. And especially with what Carrie's doing, um, we we recognize how important it is to care for our community, to shepherd you well, um, and what it takes to be able to do that. And so we want to be able to have better follow-up uh, when we have these, these, these classes and courses, like how do we follow up with you and engage and make sure that you, if you need to meet with a community pastor, you have that. You have that ability to do that. If you want to meet with any of us, you have that ability to do that. Where do you go? Where do you take your next steps? Those things are on the forefront of our minds as we care for this community. And so I want to let Carrie share a little bit uh, about what she's got for the fall. So... Yeah, actually, so awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, I just, we really do want to create space for you. I love that word. Um, just a space for like a sacred, like these are sacred conversations and we might not have all the answers, but I think a lot of healing comes in the sharing and not so much like, let me have all the answers for you. Um, so these workshops that I'm doing and leading um, are around things like, you know, anxiety or depression, but also the one that's coming up on soul care and how do we take care of that and what does that look like through the grid of God's word? Um, because I really do believe that theology dictates psychology and so... We're going to sit in some of those nuances. And one of the things that we saw after the last workshop was, okay, this was good. This opened everybody up. And then we're like, oh, where do they go now? And so um, through my center and then also through the community pastors and stuff, we are really creating some systems to be able to have some aftercare because that's a big, big deal for me um, is aftercare. Everything I do is centered around the aftercare because <laughs> um, I don't want to just open you up and then leave you. Uh, we want to help you walk to um, heal, hope and healing. And so those are some of the things that we'll be implementing in the fall and even after the fifth, even just directing you to a community pastor and some options for some counseling or um, group things that my center offer, uh, offers. So we'll be working um, together with that. And then I will be coming aligned um, with Ronnie in my messages and really being hearing from him where where like kind of he's taking us and obviously speaking into that. I, I submit to you, Ronnie. Uh, <laughs> um, no, it was a very much of a partnership. So we will be kind of of aligning. We just want to be in tune with where the Spirit's going here, because I think we're kind of a unique, um, I think we're a unique church, and I think we're doing unique things. Yeah. So um, just like today, we want to be sensitive to those things. So, and I want to hear from you. You know, what are some things that you you would like to have a workshop on? I've got stacks and stacks of things that I've written, um, but I want to hear from you. So that would be what I'm going to step into. Thanks. Yep. Here we go. Got a little more. Hang in there. I know we're long right now. Um, so worship has always, we've always fought to kind of hold that with an open hand and we've always, like all the creating space things, that's always been a really big deal to me to have it be this space where you can connect with God and God can speak to you and I don't ever want to try to control that for you. I don't ever want to try to like emotionally manipulate you into some sort of response, but response is very important. So we've always tried to give um, space for you to sit and think and pray or stand and sing and yell and clap and whatever you want to do. But um, that's super important to me to be very open-handed with that. And um, I also am very intentional about song choice. I know I don't talk about this a whole lot, but um, I try to 
keep it all a little bit vague in a way so that um, it's relatable to you wherever you're at. You can like grab onto something. And um, so we try to be sensitive with all of that stuff. But moving forward, we want to continue to like see what the Spirit's doing and, and where He's leading because even just in the last few months, I feel like worship has changed so much here. Um, and so I'm trying to be sensitive to that and follow along with that. So we'll see where that goes. But yeah. <laughs> oh yeah here we go man my graphics are on fleek nice right now oh yeah for sure i get the pizza and I the cool that little hand thing support symbol um okay so uh i'm just going to make a couple um comments uh, about a couple things going on with our core values um related to where we're going and we're going to get it done here um so first up what i put up there stories dinners okay so um in the fall, um, we're kind of adapting some of our language a little bit. While table fellowship is definitely kind of more of the spiritual vocabulary around what we're doing by doing hospitality, hosting dinners, gathering here, and doing it in your own life, um, we're going to tweak the name just a little bit and just call it dinners. <laughs> we quickly realize that's really all it is and why oversell it. So, um, yeah, starting in the, <laughs> so in the fall, um, you know, they're just going to be just box monthly dinners. Um, so no different than what we were doing before. Um, but that being said, um, I think we're actually going to make them a little bit smaller. Um, we were kind of doing like up to like 30 people and they'd be really big and we were like, oh, they're a little unmanageable and they would always kind of simmer down to about 10. But we are finding from you guys, you really enjoy meeting um, in groups of around 10 or so and getting to know each other really well. So we're going to keep doing those. Um, if you have a home um, and you'd be interested in hosting um, your home as a venue or you'd be interested in helping us um, just host at one of the dinners, um, go to voxoc.com slash dinners and um, you can just fill out a little form there. We'll see that, and we'll engage with you over the summer and, and kind of get that set up for the fall. Um, so, stories. So the church must be the safest place to talk about anything. Um, this has been at the center of our beginnings. Um, for those of you that may or may not know, um, this church did kind of, it formed actually out of a podcast um, as a way that we were able to engage in a lot of controversial conversations, um, explore things the church typically wasn't willing to explore. It would be taboo. Like, okay, yeah, we can do 10 episodes on spiritual abuse. We can do 10 episodes on um, how do we love and serve the LGBTQ community? How do we, uh, you know, all of that. But that being said... Um, through the church, um, we've heard so many incredible stories. And we always wrestled with the past uh, year and a half where we bring someone out on stage, we give them five minutes to you know, share their quote-unquote story. But we're also the kind of church that's been trying to work with the idea of like, well, we're not also trying to give you some big red bow and just kind of clean it all up and make sure it ends and on a high note and you know, Jesus is good and God is Lord. But um, helping people to realize that sharing some of the hard stuff from the stage helps some of you to understand, oh, they're like me. I could actually relate and understand where they're at and this is who we are. Um, we're going to continue to tell stories from the stage. We did it um, last month with Gustavo, and we're probably going to switch it up like that. They're going to be more of interviews. We're going to take a little bit more time to do them. Um, however, um, we wanted to expand on not only some of the stories that have been told, but we also wanted to explore other stories that are out in the world that are both for you to hear in addition for stories that you'll be able to share for others to hear in a bigger way. So we're actually launching um, a new podcast um, in the fall called The Safe to Belong. And um, this is going to be a bit more of a longer format um, type of storytelling uh, method. So it's probably 35, 40 minutes or so. But what we're actually going to do is for all of those, um, all of you out there who've expressed um, skill sets and creativity and communications and doing this kind of media work, that's going to be the team that's actually producing this show. So um, this is going to be a standalone podcast. It's not going to be like 
Fox community, this thing, we're going to basically create this thing and then send it out into the world and just let it kind of live on its own. But it's much more of an expression of our church of what does it look like for the church to be the safest place to talk about anything. So um, I'm really looking forward to some very interesting conversations that we're going to have on this show. Um, what I'm going to do is I have, um, I'm setting aside some time so uh, to actually meet and discuss this a little bit further. Um, a lot of the pre-planning is kind of there. Now we just need to lock people into to roles to actually produce this thing. So if you are interested and you've got a skill set that might relate to producing a podcast, um, which could literally be anything from graphic design to photography to audio engineering to website management to um, even videography because we kind of have some unique marketing ideas around it, boxofc.com slash podcast. I put a little form there. You could fill that out. Let me know and then I'll get back to you about when we're going to meet. It'll actually be soon. It'll probably be in the next uh, couple weeks here though too. So um, that's the big stuff for fall. That's it. Dang. Guys, that was long. We're there. It's important. It is important. So um, thanks for sitting uh, to that. Um, please stay and hang out with us. We've got hamburgers, hot dogs, food, chili cook-off contest. My chili's going to win. Uh, pie-eating contest. And uh, yeah, I won't tell you which one it is, though. Let me just have you stand, and I'll pray over you guys, and we'll let you guys get out of here. Uh, you don't got to go to India to see God move. He's going to move right outside these doors. He's moving right in here. God is with you, and he's for you. Um, and he's really big. So ask God to open your eyes to the bigness of who he is right in your own neighborhood. You don't got to go to India or Thailand with me. But if you want, you can, you can always tag along. <laughs> let me God, thank you so much for all that you're doing today. Thank you for the move of your spirit in Vox community. Thank you that we want to be a people that love you well and serve you with an open heart and open hands. May you be bigger than we could ever comprehend or think or ask, God. May our eyes be open to the world around us and may we see them the way you see them, God. But may we never assume that we could put you in a box. You are too big and too vast and too grand. I thank you, God, that you are good. Be with us today. Let us enjoy fellowship and company together as, it, as if it was the Garden of Eden. We thank you, God, so much for this space. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you guys. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxcommunity. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.